One simple contract can symbolize redemption, just as one ketubah can symbolize reunion. And so Jeremiah himself, following his purchase of his family field, then delivers the prophecy that would mark every Jewish wedding. There will one day again be heard in the outskirts of Jerusalem the voice of joy, gladness, groom and bride. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 154, The Time Capsule and the Document of Redemption. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. Decades ago, on a July 4th in Moscow, Natan Sharansky was married to the love of his life, Avital, in a Jewish wedding ceremony attended by a beer minimum of a minyan. Avital had her visa and would be leaving for Israel the day after her wedding, in the hope and expectation that her husband would join her there soon. This was a great leap of faith, as Natan Sharansky was already being followed by the KGB. Imprisonment was a very real possibility, and in binding herself to him before she departed, the likelihood loomed of her remaining alone in Israel, perhaps forever. In his memoir, Fear No Evil, Sharansky describes the departure of Avital, then known as Natasha. Quote, By the time we reached the airport, our anxiety had almost disappeared. The customs officials were surprised that Natasha was carrying only one small bag, but neither of us had many possessions. We had been concerned about the ketubah, for according to Soviet law, no documents can be taken out of the country. But the customs man looked at it, asked what it was, and said, fine. The entire procedure, which often takes hours, was completed in 15 minutes, which seemed to confirm the ketubah's special power. Natasha's flight was called, but for a long time we couldn't separate. Finally, I said, See you soon in Jerusalem, and we parted. The tears we held back were tears of joy and hope. As she started to move down the long corridor, for a moment, but only for a moment, I was overtaken by a horrible feeling of weakness, as in a dream, when you want to run up to something and touch it, but you can't. End quote. Soon after this, Sharansky was in prison, and his bride, from Israel, launched a public campaign which would bring this woman into the presence of presidents and prime ministers, all to allow her husband to return home, all to fulfill the words of the last blessing of her wedding, which, as we have previously described, prays for bride and groom fulfilling the dream of rejoicing in Jerusalem. And, as Sharansky described, it was her ketubah that inspired Avital in her faith. And the chapter in Jeremiah allows us to appreciate all that the ketubah meant to her. To set the stage for our chapter, we must first describe events in the book that are discussed both before and after it. After King Yehonia and Jerusalem's elite are taken to Babel, Jeremiah warns King Zedekiah not to rebel against Nebuchadnezzar, to submit. Jeremiah, as we have recently discussed, is challenged in the temple by another claiming prophecy, Hananel, who insists that soon the Babylonian threat will dissipate. The masses embrace the false prophecies. And Zedekiah persists in rebelling against Babylon, ignoring Jeremiah's warnings. When Nebuchadnezzar's army descends on Jerusalem, Zedekiah turns to Jeremiah to pray, but the prophet refuses. Then, as the Babylonian army turns away from Jerusalem to address an Egyptian threat, Jeremiah attempts to leave the sacred city. Caught by the king's guards, he is accused of treason and imprisoned. He is ultimately thrown into a pit until a foreign-born servant of the king, Evan Melech the Ethiopian, pleads for mercy. He is then pulled up and imprisoned in a Jerusalem courtyard. While he is captive, he is told by God that a relative of his would be showing up to see him. This brings us to chapter 32, verse 6. 
And Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Behold, Hanamel, the son of Shalom, thine uncle, shall come unto thee, saying, Buy thee my field that is in Anatoth, for the right of redemption is thine to buy it. So Hanamel, my uncle's son, came to me in the court of the prison according to the word of the Lord, and said unto me, Buy my field, I pray thee, that is in Anatoth, which is in the country of Benjamin, for the right of inheritance is thine, and the redemption is thine. Buy it for thyself. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord. Let us explain, ladies and gentlemen, the real estate references that are mentioned here. The law of the Torah is that when one is forced to sell his ancestral lands, a relative has the right of gula, redemption, to buy the field on behalf of the family from the one who has acquired it. Here, Hanamel, Jeremiah's relative, is seeking to sell his field, and he informs Jeremiah that the prophet may as well be the one to buy it. After all, Hanamel notes, if he sold it to another, Jeremiah would have the right of redemption. So, they ought to eliminate the middleman, and Jeremiah should acquire it directly. Jeremiah agrees, and, as many point out, this seems, obviously, to be a very strange investment, because Jeremiah is telling everyone that the land is about to be conquered, destroyed, and the Judeans taken into captivity. Why, then, would he buy land? But that is precisely the point. The acquisition is a statement of faith in the future of the land of Israel. Verse 9. And I bought the field of Hanamel, my uncle's son, that was in Anatoth, and weighed him the money, seventeen shekels of silver. And I subscribed the evidence and sealed it, and took witnesses, and weighed him the money in the balances. So I took the evidence of the purchase, both that which was sealed according to the law and custom, and that which was open. And I gave the evidence of the purchase unto Baruch, the son of Neriah, the son of Masiah, in the sight of Hanamel, my uncle's son, and in the presence of the witnesses that subscribed the book of the purchase before all the Jews that sat in the court of the prison. And I charged Baruch before them, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Take these evidences, this evidence of the purchase, both which is sealed and this evidence which is open, and put them in an earthen vessel, that they may continue many days. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. Now in the translation that I have just read, ladies and gentlemen, the evidence is, of course, the document verifying the sale. In Jewish law, this is known as a shtar. And note how Scripture strikingly describes the prosaic process of preparing this legal document. In fact, in Jewish law, many of the procedures of writing shtarot, legal documents, are learnt from this very chapter in Jeremiah. But why, as destruction looms, would the prophet describe all the prosaic details of the sale? The point, perhaps, is that creating this document makes all that he is promising more real. Houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. Similarly, it was not for nothing that Avital Sharansky found such sustenance in her Ketubah. The Ketubah is a largely prosaic document. It does not describe the love between husband and wife. That is reserved for the blessing set under the Chupah. Instead, the Ketubah is a shtar a legal document that is set up to protect the bride. But the document's very concreteness, the way it testified to the marriage, symbolized, I think, the future to Natasha, to the woman who would become Avital Sharansky. Thousands of years before, Jeremiah sees similar significance, similar symbolism, similar expressions of hope in all that his concrete document proclaims. Houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. 
As Rabbi Yehuda Shaviv points out, the very fact that the law of redemption is invoked in this passage symbolizes that just as a relative can redeem a field that has seemingly been lost to a family, so to God, out of love for Israel, will redeem the land that has seemingly been lost to his people. After the sale, Jeremiah then ponders how a place that is to be destroyed will once again be settled, farmed, irrigated, once again. In verse 21, the prophet says to God, And thou hast brought forth thy people Israel out of the land of Egypt with signs, and with wonders, and with strong hand, and with an outstretched arm, and with great terror, and hast given them this land, which thou didst swear to their fathers to give them, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they came in and possessed it, but they obeyed not thy voice, neither walked in thy law. They have done nothing of all thou commandest them to do. Therefore thou hast caused all this evil to come upon them. Behold the mounts, they are come unto the city to take it. And the city is given into the hand of the Chaldeans that fight against it because of the sword and of the famine and of the pestilence. And what thou hast spoken is come to pass, and behold, thou seest it. And thou hast said unto me, O Lord God, buy thee the field for money and take witnesses, for the city is given into the hand of the Chaldeans. Then came the word of the Lord unto Jeremiah, saying, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? From the perspective of the present, it was difficult to understand how redemption of the land would occur. But God can accomplish anything, and he does so often in a manner that we cannot predict. And thus the instructions that Jeremiah gives to his scribe Baruch to preserve the document. In verse 14, place it in an earthenware vessel, he says, so that it may continue many days. In Hebrew, Leman yamdu yamim rabim. What is being described is a time capsule whose preservation of the document professed the reality of a Jewish return in the generations to come, a larger redemption by God of the generations to come. And thus, in the verses that follow, Jeremiah builds on what he has been told, giving us a larger vision of redemption. The image of Jeremiah in prison is often utilized to depict his despair, and the prophet does at one point curse the day that he was born. But it is in prison at the very last moments of the first Jewish commonwealth, that Jeremiah issues some of the most hopeful prophecies about the Holy Land in our history. Nothing, he is told, is too hard for the Lord. And thus, in the next chapter, he gives us the verses that, as we have mentioned, are referenced in the wedding liturgy. Verse 10, Thus saith the Lord, again there shall be heard in this place, which ye say shall be desolate without man and without beast, even in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem that are desolate without man and without inhabitant and without beast, the voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the groom and the voice of the bride, the voice of them that shall say, Praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, for his mercy endureth forever, and of them that shall bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord, for I will cause to return the captivity of the land as at the first, saith the Lord. One simple contract can symbolize redemption, just as one ketubah can symbolize reunion. And so Jeremiah himself, following his purchase of his family field, then delivers the prophecy that would mark every Jewish wedding. There will one day again be heard in the outskirts of Jerusalem the voice of joy, gladness, groom and bride. If Jews cited these verses at weddings, it is because, just as the time capsule proclaimed that in many decades hence, redemption would come, so too these Jews proclaimed that in the future, perhaps even in many centuries to come, return would occur. And there is no better illustration of God's promise to Jeremiah that I will cause to return the captivity of the land 
than the story of a man who spends so many years in Soviet prison and then returns to the land of his forefathers to rejoin his bride, his bride who married him in one of the great acts of faith of our time, a faith that in its own way vindicates the faith expressed in the Ketubahs written throughout the centuries. It is all the more striking, therefore, that the Ketubah came up at Cheransky's trial. As he describes in his memoir, he was interrogated in court by a man named Salonin, and as Sharansky was accused of purported crime after purported crime, he responded to the accusations forthrightly, so forthrightly that he threw off his interrogator. Suddenly, absurdly, the representative of the Soviet Union decided to serve as a posek, a halachic decisor, rendering an opinion on the validity of Sharansky's marriage. Sharansky writes, quote, My responses seemed to surprise Salonin, who kept on changing the subject without going into further discussion. But he asked his final question with great enthusiasm. Was our marriage ceremony performed according to all the requirements of Judaism? He read a document from the Moscow synagogue saying that the ketubah, or marriage certificate, which was allegedly given to Natalia Stieglitz and is being shown around in the West, is a fake. I considered arguing the point, but quickly stopped myself. That was all I needed to discuss my marital status with them. End quote. Thus, Sharansky decided not to debate with the Soviets about his marriage, but instead, one might say, he and Avital allowed their own lives, their own faith, their own courage, to prove the power of their marriage. Natan Sharansky had promised Avital that he would join her in Jerusalem right away. Famously, when he finally was free, he said to her, I'm sorry, I'm a little late. The triumph of a seemingly prosaic document over the Soviets is a striking symbol of Avital's faith in the Ketubah itself, and how the Ketubah throughout Jewish history serves as a symbol of Jeremiah's faith, allowing us to see in every wedding in Israel today and every field in Israel today a sign that nothing is too difficult for God. This is Mayor Soloveitchik, looking forward to learning together next week, wishing you a Shabbat Shalom and signing off.